Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have Pastor Andrew coming to share the Word with us this morning as we continue in our series in the Invisible Wall. Would you make Andrew feel really welcome as he comes to share with us? Good. Thank you, Nathan. It's so good to be here. Uh, feels like a bit of a mini reunion or lots of mini reunions, catching up with you, seeing people I haven't seen for a while. I've been the last few weeks over in the family service. So lovely to be with you. And I want a special welcome to those up on the mezzanine. Like, great to see you up there. And anyone online, yeah, like, welcome them as well. Uh, and anyone online as well. It's great to gather here. I wanna add uh, my invitation to the men to come and hear John Anderson on Zoom tomorrow night. One of the beauties of this period is we can invite anyone and they don't even need to be in Brisbane. They could be anywhere online and join in. So uh, think about that, who you can invite into that. That should be an amazing night as well. Uh, so today we're, we're continuing in this series, The Invisible War. It's, it's quite a unique topic, isn't it? Like The Invisible War. Uh, this idea that we are part of a spiritual battle, one that we can't see. There's this spiritual battle going on in and around us, impacting our lives. It is not something that you wake up every day and think, oh, wow, I'm part of a spiritual battle. You don't see it. It's very unique in that sense that you've got a, a God who loves you, God is for you, but then there's also this enemy and then there's this spiritual battle going on in the background. And as we think about that, as we looked at this series, I wonder what your response has been to that. There might be some of you uh, over the last few weeks as you listen to some of these sermons that have thought, well, I've always known there's a spiritual battle. I mean, I read it in the scriptures, but this has actually awoken me to it. And I've been challenged to now look at my life through that spiritual lens. There might be others that have thought, I've never actually contemplated that. You know, I mean, we live in a society that would say that you believe what you can see. I mean, Look, honestly, it seems like a pretty strange concept, doesn't it? That there's something going on in the background. So it might be, it might be new to you. Uh, some might be really even fearful of it. Others might think nothing of it. Like we're all in different situations. But I wanna say, like if, if, if we sum up what this spiritual battle is around in just one verse, I just wanna read one verse to you. And it's John 10, 10. It's the words of Jesus. He says, the thief comes only to seek and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. There you have it. Like in a nutshell, Jesus said, I have come to give life and life to the full. That is his desire for you. That is his desire for me. He has come that we might have fullness of life. But in the scripture, we also see that there is someone, an enemy that is wanting to pull us down, to steal from us, to kill and to destroy. That is the battle. And it is a spiritual battle that we not only have to be aware of, it's a spiritual battle that we need to be equipped in. We really do. And as I think of that, I, I want, to, I want you to imagine the story 
of a lady who had a mouse in her house. Gwen loved her house. It was pristine, it was tidy. There was nothing that she loved more than to clean her house, sit in her recliner, read a book and have a cup of tea. That was Gwen. But one day Gwen looked down at her seat and saw mouse droppings around the bottom of her mouse, uh, of her um, seat. And she said, it is on. <laughs> there is a mouse in my house. And so Gwen got up out of her seat where she went straight to the cupboard and she got a can of Mortine. She got the Mortine and she went back to her seat and she sprayed all around it liberally, just sprayed it and said, this, I'm getting rid of this mouse in my house. And she went down, sat down, put her feet up and said, I've dealt with the mouse in my house only to wake up the next day and she saw droppings not just around her seat but on the cupboard bench and the, the, in the kitchen and she went to the pantry and the mouse had begun eating food in her house. She thought, how could this be? I mean, I dealt with it. I got the mortine, I sprayed it. Why is this mouse still in my house? So she went to the cupboard again. She grabbed her mortine and she sprayed around the seats on the kitchen benches in the pantry. She sprayed everywhere and she sprayed liberally as much mortine as she could in every part of her house. She went to bed, woke up the next day and thought, well, it's done. But then she woke up to find more droppings, more food had been eaten. The mouse was still in her house. And she went back to her couch defeated. She went back thinking, how, how could this be? And while this is just a story, an illustration, it speaks into this spiritual battle that we are in. It's not enough just to know we're in a battle. Gwen knew she was in a battle. It's not even enough to know who our enemy is. What we really need to know is how we deal with our enemy. What are the weapons that we have? I don't know how many of you, as I read that story, thought, not more teen, Gwen, you need Ratsack. <laughs> Ratsack's gonna kill the mouse, but she was using more teen. And I asked the question, how often in our life do we try and win spiritual battles with physical answers, with physical weapons? And we are committed to the cause like when we will work hard, we will do all that we can with our physical weapons, but it's a spiritual battle that we are in. And so today as we look at this passage, we wanna look at the armour of God and more than that, I just wanna be so practical and give us some, some tips or help from the Word of God about how we actually engage or how we respond to the spiritual battle that is happening in our life. So you can turn to Ephesians 6 or the scripture will come up there. In verse 10 it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the battle, the spiritual battle. Therefore, he says, put on the full armor of God 
so, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. That's the passage we'll look at. And the first thing I want us to notice is the stance or the posture that we take. And you can see that four times in the passage it says, stand. Stand against the devil's schemes. Stand your ground. After everything, stand. We are to stand firm. It's not attack, attack, run, attack. It's no, no. Stand. The victory has been won by Jesus. He's already said that in the previous chapters. The victory has been won by Jesus. Now watch your job, stand. Stand in that truth. You are victorious in Jesus. Stand in his mighty power. Not your mighty power, not my mighty power. No, don't do that. Stand in his mighty power. The victory is won. We are victorious in Jesus. And he's mentioned that if you look at the beginning of this this book in Ephesians, just in the first chapter, he says, you have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've been given it in Christ. You are seen as holy and blameless in Christ. You've been adopted into his family in Christ, a son and a daughter. You've been redeemed, you've been forgiven, you've been given the Holy Spirit. And it says here, stand. In Christ, stand in his victory. That is our position in his mighty power. For verse 12 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's a spiritual battle against rulers, against authorities and powers. Our own strength, our own wisdom, our own strategies, whatever we might come, will never win that victory. It's only Christ that can win that victory. And then in that he says, take on the full armor of God. God's armor, take it on. And today I wanna focus in on the belt of truth. He says, take on the belt of truth. Why is truth so important? Why is it important that we know truth, that we take on truth? Well, we heard it last week in in both sermons, both Peter and Dan's sermons last week. Have a listen to them. They were speaking of who Satan is. And Satan is a deceiver. We read in John 8, it says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you wanna carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer. This is is Satan, this is devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That's who Satan is. He's a liar. He is a deceiver. And it's why we, it is so important that we know truth. So where do we find this truth? And again, we go to the words of Jesus. I, I love this verse. John 8, 31. Jesus says himself, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What a powerful verse. Where do we find truth? We find truth in Jesus' teaching. We find truth in the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the scriptures, that is truth. And I wanna say to us this morning, you know, you might read a magazine and it has words. Don't pick up the Bible in a similar way and think these are just words. They are powerful. They are like a weapon in the spiritual battle that we are all waging. It is powerful. These are powerful um, truths that we can apply into our life day by day. Sometimes our our, our world, our our government will say that the Bible has no relevance to our life. It's it's past. It's foolishness. It's it's no longer important. This is what Paul said about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus. He said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And then down the bottom it says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. God's word, inspired from God, the authority of God. That is where our authority is. That is where our power is. And it might seem foolish to the world. People might come up with their plans and their strategies and their ideas and things like that, but it is nothing in this spiritual battle. What we need is power. What we need is authority, and that comes from the Word of God. I was challenged by this quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones when he speaks about this. He said, what what is human reason or the reason of any man when faced with the reason, the knowledge and the cleverness and the subtlety of the devil? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not arguing with men. We are arguing with the greatest mind outside of the triune God. That was a challenge to me. I'm like, Andrew, your, your wisdom is not gonna hold up. <laughs> the, the, the best plans, the best thoughts you have, it's not gonna hold up. You need truth. And I was thinking about that. It leads me to humility to saying, God, I need your way. My way is not gonna work. In this spiritual battle and the plans that the evil one has, I need you and I need your word. As I raise my family, I need your word, I need your truth. 
As I deal with challenges in my life, God, I need you, not me. I can't do it independent. Not the world's wisdom. It won't work. I need truth. And we have it in the scriptures. We have the power in the word of God. We need to be. I want to be. I want to call us to be. With God's help, people of truth. People who know his truth. And then that passage says, if you abide in it, if you let it sink in your hearts, if you dwell in it, it will set you free. And now I wanna get super, super practical. I mean, when you think of this spiritual battle, uh, where do you think it takes place? You, You might say to me, I mean, I'm not one of those ones that's like seen a demon or had some of those spiritual experiences. Well, not many people do from day to day. So where does it take place? Louis Giglio says, the, the, the battle takes place in your mind. The battle, battle take place, takes place in our mind. He says, he goes as far as to say, if Satan can win the battle of your mind, he has won the battle for, of your life. So let's just look at this practically. What does that mean? The battle is in our mind. You might think, well, what does that mean for me day to day? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't even think what I'm thinking. It's just nearly happened subconsciously. But I want us today to be very aware of the way that we think, very aware of what goes on in our mind. Because when we look at this spiritual battle, uh, I wanna take us right back to the first spiritual battle, back in the Garden of Eden, and look at what happened in the life of Eve. Genesis three. Now the serpent, Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. So let's have a look at this. What's happening here? Satan, or the serpent, is going to Eve, coming to Eve and putting a seed, planting a seed in her mind. You see the subtlety there? Did did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Satan is getting Eve to distrust God, not trust God. Did God really say that? Eve, do you you think God might be holding out on you? Later he says, you know, he, he knows that if you eat that, that you'll be like him. Eve, just think about that. Let me just plant that seed in your mind. And you can imagine Eve, it's, it's sat in her mind and I don't know how it played out, but maybe she walked past that tree and she's like, I wonder actually, I wonder if God is holding out on me. I wonder if I did eat that, if I actually would become like God. And that seed that was sown in her mind begins to take root. And then once it takes root, she acts upon it. She acts upon it and then takes the fruit and then she dies. And right there is a process. And I wanna imagine, I want you to imagine 
your mind as like a seedbed where seeds are being sown. And that same process takes place all of the time in our lives. The seed is sown. Then we might think about it. Maybe we might doubt God and and Satan is trying to drive a wedge between us and God and the fullness of the life that he has for us. Then at some point we come to believe in that, or maybe that is true. And we believe in that lie enough to act upon it and live out. We live out of that lie at that point. And that is the spiritual battle. You might think, oh, I don't know if I'm in a spiritual battle. I want us just to take a a look at our thoughts. And I wanna ask you this morning, what seeds are being sown in your mind? Can can you recognize any of these thoughts that may come through your mind? Maybe even as you listen to a message like this or, or other ones, there might be a thought that goes, well, this is not gonna work for you. You'll you'll never be free. You'll never have fullness of life. Don't get your hopes up. You'll never change, not you, you you won't change. Now where do these thoughts come from? Maybe you think along these lines, uh, or these thoughts might be sown into your mind. You're You're not worth much. I mean, look at those people might be worth something because they've got it all together, but not you. You're not worth much. I mean, you know your past. You know it, I know it. We know your past. You're not worth anything. Like, could God love you? Could other people love and accept you? I mean, these are strange thoughts, aren't they? But have you ever thought them? Or is it, maybe it's just me, I don't know. But these thoughts come. What about ones like this? You'll feel so much better if you sin. Like it's, it's just a little just a little thing. Like, I mean, your world's not gonna fall apart. It's just a little thing. Just, just do it. Like, it'll feel better. And then as soon as you do it, there's this other voice that goes, oh, I can't believe you did that. I mean, you're a Christian. You call yourself a Christian and then you did that. The condemnation comes flooding in to our minds. God will never favor you. How can you expect the blessing of God when you act like that? Maybe it's along the lines of you deserve to be angry. I mean, mate, that was an injustice. You get angry. I mean, they they, they really hurt you. You have every reason to get angry. Maybe maybe it's something like you're you're a failure. You'll never ever be good enough. These thoughts just come to our minds. Where where do they come from? Where where do these thoughts come? You were not good enough. Where does the thought come from? No one loves you. You will never change. Satan loves to plant lies in our life. And what he wants to happen is that those lies will be planted those lies will be received, believed and accepted and acted upon and lived out. 
Because he is the one that wants to bind us. He's the one that wants to limit us. He's the one that doesn't want us to experience the fullness of God. And if he can lie to us and limit us and get us to live under these things that have the potential to bind us, he feels he's winning the battle. Like he will never ever defeat Jesus. Jesus' victory, I wanna say, Jesus' victory is complete. But he can do all that he can to stop us trusting in it, stop us living out of it. Jesus is victorious and even says in Colossians that he has disarmed the powers and authorities. The finished work on the cross is enough. In Jesus, we have victory. We've been given authority. I've listed even in Ephesians 1 all that we have been given in Jesus. And now we are called in this passage to take up that truth and live out of that truth. Live out of who we are in Jesus, not ourselves. The mighty power of God, not ourselves. And I want to get in, again get really practical. Like what, what do we do? How do we respond? If we are experiencing these thoughts, if this is happening day to day, well, you know, we don't want to be like Gwen spraying the mortine, no. <laughs> We want the rat sack, we want something that's effective in this time, and that is truth. And in 2 Corinthians 10, three to five, we get this little picture of truth and how it works in the spiritual battle. Paul writes, he goes, for we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Don't try and you know, deal with conflict or different things as the world would. No, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds being just wrong beliefs pulled down, strongholds that are pulled down by divine power. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets it up against the, word of, the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive and take it and make it obedient to Christ. Let's have a look at what that might look like in your life or my life. So the thought might come into my mind, you are such a failure. Like if we're passive or just natural, I might go, oh really? <laughs> yeah, like look at your past. Look at all those mistakes you've made, Andrew. Like, you're real, oh, well, actually, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, maybe, maybe I do feel like a bit of a failure. <laughs> yeah, and then you keep making those mistakes. You continue to be a failure. And it progresses, and if we allow it to sit there, we then believe it. And it becomes a stronghold in our life. That's, that's what can happen with these lies in our, our minds. But what we wanna do is challenge that thought as soon as it comes into our mind, to be alert, to be aware. Let's play that out in a different way. Andrew, you are such a failure. Really, let me just, just a second, let me just check that. Let me just align that with truth. Let me just align what I've just heard with the word of God. Does God tell me that I'm a failure? Does God condemn me? Well, let's look at the Bible. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. I'm forgiven, I'm blameless. There is grace that is sufficient for me. 
My grace is sufficient for you. My power is actually made perfect in your weakness. That is what Scripture says. That's what the Word of God says. So as I align it and think, well, no, I'm not gonna live according to that lie. I wanna live according to truth. And I bring that thought captive and say, well, Jesus, take that. (laughs) Take that thought. I don't wanna live according to that thought. Thank you for your grace, Lord. (laughs) Thank you that there is no condemnation. Lord, I am so thankful that I'm not a failure, I'm loved by God. And we take it captive and we bring it obedient and we replace the lie with truth because we want to be people who live according to truth. Is this not what Jesus did when he was tempted? You know, Satan came to Jesus and said, create bread out of stones and Jesus quotes scripture, he says, Man doesn't live on bread alone. And Satan said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you worship me. And Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, he he takes the lie and then replaces it with truth. Throw yourself down and allow the angels to catch you, Satan says. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus uses scripture. That is where the power is, truth. Not my thoughts. Um, you know, I could argue with Satan, I'm oh, not really a failure. I mean, no, no, just, just go straight to the Scriptures. Straight to the power of, of the Scriptures to, to have freedom in our mind. So we identify the thoughts. We bring them against Scripture. And if they're not of God, we, we just replace them with the truth and we begin to live out of that truth because God wants to set us free. Jesus said, if you hold on to my truth, if you abide in my truth, if you you live and dwell in it, the truth will set you free. And Paul says it, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To have our mind concentrated on the word of God. I asked you this morning, what playlists are are on your mind? What tracks sometimes run through your mind? Maybe it's, I'm not good enough. I'll never change, I'm not worthy, I could never be forgiven. Sometimes they're tracks that just continually come up in our mind. Well, I wanna tell you this morning, Jesus wants to set us free. Not just today, not just momentarily, he wants a new way of life for us. And it's not like sometimes we're just gonna pray today and you walk out and you'll be free. No, it's a new way of living. It's a new way of living according to his truth, that we would live according to his truth in in the mind and heart rather than some of these lies that oppress us. That we can live in freedom, we can live in victory, all the fullness of life that Jesus has given us. He's won it. And now he is calling us as his church, as his body here to live and to be a people of truth, people that are set free to have the fullness of what Jesus has won for us by living according to truth. But we need to be alert in our mind, aware of what we're thinking, aware of what we're believing and the impact that that has on our lives. 
Let me just take a moment. I don't want to pray for us, but I just want us all just to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, is there anything that I've been living under? Any reoccurring thought patterns or ways that actually they're binding me, they're limiting me. And for whatever reason, I've begun to live out of that rather than the truth that you have for me in Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? And maybe we just take a moment, just even in your own heart, just to ask the Holy Spirit. Is there any lies that you've been believing? And even just now, I'm just thinking maybe there's some people uh, here this morning where it's faith. It's like believing that God can do it. Just really have a sense that, that maybe in your mind and heart, there's a doubt as to whether God could do it or would do it, but He's calling you to just put trust and faith in Him and what He's able to do. Maybe for others, it's that sense of you're not feeling worthy. I just wanna pray some truths or read some scriptures if you feel that way, you're a child of God. It says that, you, you, you are a child of God, precious to Him. So precious that you are bought with a price. You are valued by God. You will never earn, never act in a way that is worthy, but He loves you. There's great value on your life. He loves you dearly, so much so that He would die on a cross for you. Maybe for some, there's just a sense that you will never change. Well, don't live under that. I wanna say that you are a new creation in Christ. In Christ, the Holy Spirit, His life is now living in you and God can change you. You can't, but He can. Believe in the power of God in your life, not your own ability. Don't allow Satan to say, you'll never change. Just resist that. Just give that thought to Jesus. Maybe it's just, I can't. I don't know what the end of that sentence is, but I can't. Well, in Christ, you can do all things all things through Him who strengthens you. Nothing is impossible for God. In your weakness, He is strong. His grace is sufficient for you. Others, you might feel alone. Maybe even that God's abandoned you for some reason. I wanna just say, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you so much, so dearly. He is with you. Turn to Him this morning, turn to Him. Others might think you have sinned too much, too far gone. There's forgiveness for others, but not forgiveness for you.
Well, in Christ, the good news is that you are forgiven in Him. Just receive that forgiveness. Don't be condemned any longer. Even now, just say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Jesus, forgive me for that sin in my life. And the Bible says that in Jesus, you are seen as blameless. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sin is removed. Victory is in Jesus. Victory for our sin is in Jesus. Don't let Satan condemn you. Be free in Jesus. Maybe others thinking God could never love me. God is love. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loved you so much that he would send his son to die for you. That you would have eternal life. You need to know that you are loved by God. No matter what your past, no matter what your day is like today, no matter what you're feeling in your heart, you are loved by God and you cannot run from His love. He wants you to know that you are loved. This is truth. And Lord, now I wanna pray for us, Lord. Myself, Lord, I need help. (laughs) Lord, we wanna be a people that would live out of truth. Lord, we we wanna be people that allow the seeds of truth to bear fruit. Lord, help us to be alert to what's happening in our mind and our heart. Lead us to freedom. Help us break these strongholds and not live under the lies of Satan that would love to hamper us or limit us. But Lord, help us to live according to your truth and your power. Help us to wage war with truth, with spiritual weapons, Lord, we pray. And Lord, we pray this for greater freedom, for your victory in our lives, but Lord, for our community, for our world that needs to know the good news of a God who loves them. And Lord, we wanna thank you so much that you won victory in Jesus. It's complete, it's done, it's finished. And Lord Jesus, we worship you for that. We, we stand in this victory. We actually revel in this victory. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are, so thankful that you've done it all. Help us, Lord, to apply these truths and to live out of these truths and to live in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna continue to worship, but that is the truth. Jesus is victorious. And He has made a way. We can stand on His promises. And I just pray we just worship Him for that. You know, give glory to Him and trust Him and look to Him, not to ourselves and our own hearts, our own thing, but who He is. Let's worship together, stand and worship together as we finish here this morning. Let's worship. Incredibly powerful word again for us this morning. And I believe with all my heart that God has a plan to pour out His blessing in a greater way than ever before. And I sense it in this series, it's that He is preparing us because we know when kingdom ground is taken, then there is an enemy that's gonna try and oppose that. 
in this series, we're becoming more aware, more prepared. And this today, this truth that Pastor Andrew has just preached is so, so important for us to get hold of. The, the power of the Word of God, the power of God's truth to stand against the battles of the enemy. It's so true. As Jesus said, if you abide in my Word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I want to pray a blessing for us today as we close. For you, maybe particularly this is a personal situation where you know you've got to stand and abide in the truth of God's Word so that you might know freedom in the midst of the battle. For us corporately as well, so important. We stand that we abide in the truth of the Word of God. Such power there. And if you're linking in online today as well and you're hearing this, then we want to pray for you as well. You can click on the prayer button on your link that you're watching on, whichever platform you're watching on. We want to pray for you. We want to stand with you as well. And maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never known that freedom personally in your own life. This is the truth, the truth of God's Word. It's come to to bring life and life to full, as Andrew said. It's the enemy who comes to destroy and to kill and to pull down. But Jesus has come that we may have life. And as I pray now, if that's you here, in the auditorium or watching online, you can just ask Jesus to come, to reveal His truth to you, that you might know that life, life eternal, the truth that you are loved, that you are valued. There is a God who created you and wants to be in relationship with you. You can know that this morning as well. Let me pray as we conclude our time together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this powerful truth, Lord, that we have heard. Lord God, that You love us, that You care about us, that You've won the victory for us in Jesus and that you have given us your words so powerful to stand on this truth and that this truth can bring freedom to our lives. Lord, I want to pray for any here this morning in the auditorium, those watching online who have never yet had that moment of saying yes to you, Jesus, knowing that freedom, knowing that assurance that they are loved by you, God. Well, even now, just as I pray, if that's you online or here in the auditorium, you can just, just pray to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, I want to know the truth. I want to know who you are. I want to be in relationship with you. And God will hear that prayer right now. And Lord, I want to pray for individuals here in the midst of the battle right now. I pray that this will help them this week. This word, encourage them. Give them some practical help, Lord, how to know, Lord, the victory in a greater way in their own lives. And for us corporately too, Lord, oh Lord, we believe that there is greater blessing you are yet to bring. And you are helping us in this series. You're equipping us. You're enabling us to be able to stand firm in the battle and to continue to take kingdom ground for your glory and for the blessing of many. This is our prayer. And so we ask this now in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. Thanks so much for sharing with us in our service today. Don't forget our evening service tonight at six o'clock. You're so welcome to join with us at baptism there as well. But God bless you. We look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. You can reach out to us by emailing hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, don't forget to email us at prayer at bridgman.org.au and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.